Hanley Armagh, Caroline O'Hanlon, the right person in the right team. Only for point number 10. It's Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Side Day Night podcast. This is our review show, and we're coming to you to bring you all the action from the Intermediate and Junior Championships at the weekend. Peter Nugent is joining me once again after an exciting weekend that saw plenty of ups and downs in both uh, championships. Coming up later on, we're going to hear from Clark McNaughton, who's part of the Dairy News team that beat Newtown to secure their place in the quarterfinal. But first of all, me and Peter's going to concentrate on the Intermediate Championship here. Um, Peter, there's only one place to start, and that was in Cross McLean on Sunday. Colleville caused, um, I don't want to say a big shock because um, Colleville have a lot of good players and the showcase that, but they beat Shane O'Neill's, who was one of the favourites for the Intermediate Championship, and they beat them 3 8 to 1 10. Uh, I was at this game, Peter, really impressed with Colleville, and I think the main difference was that the Colleville men, their best players stood up. They had uh, the likes of the two Rolands, um, particularly mentioned for Fergal Roland, the centre half back, who was unbelievable defensively Andy set up uh, Colin Waters' second goal Ryan Garvey in the middle of the field was excellent and Colin Waters up front finished with 2-3 and it was them them four players that really now Roland sorry as well got the third goal it was them four players that really drove it for Colleville and really Shane O'Neill's had no answer to them Greg McCabe performed well in the first half seemed to move into the forwards then and sort of took away that that drive and run that Shane O'Neill's needed to break down the Colleville defence. Um, as I say, Peter, maybe not the shock's not the right word, but a bit of an upset. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're nail on the head there, Sean. It was certainly uh, certainly raised a few eyebrows. Um, you suppose you can only give credit really to Colleville. That's uh, that's a a statement performance, a statement win. I suppose you could say, and maybe it shows that like league form can be deceptive. Um, and actually, when when I suppose when you delve a wee bit deeper into it, uh, you know when you look at who who really sort of put their shoulder to the wheel and, and produced the big performances for them, it was as you rightly said, it was the their 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 really you know sort of standout marquee players, um, and Colin Waters, who's been who's been an excellent player for them, like for maybe going on fifteen years now. Um, just a really, a really outstanding um, player at, at club level in Armagh and has been for a long time uh, and really good forward. Uh, and it's good to see him back because I know he had, he had a couple of, uh, you know, I think he maybe a couple of crucial injuries maybe over the last sort of five or six years. So that's a massive plus for them to have him back and, and back find the target as well. Um, and obviously you've touched on there as well, uh, the likes of Giorby and Nal Rowan as well and Fergal Rowan. Like, that's their top players and they're all pulling together and they're all on the field at the same time. Well, it gives it gives them a, you know an opportunity going forward. And you know, look, this competition is purely nearly based on momentum, feel good factor. Like taking out one of the probably fancy teams, like there's a lot to be positive about there now. I'm sure, I'm sure they're looking forward immensely now to the quarterfinal. Yeah, well, that's what I was actually thinking after the game, like probably coming into the championship. 
the four favourites were Sarsfields, St Paul, Shane O'Neill's and Polly Sarn. Shane O'Neill's are now gone. Um, Polly Sarn will get on to them um, later on. Not overly impressive um, in their win over Tiernanog. Or Cullerville maybe eyeing up a, a, a shock run and to win this Intermediate Championship. The um, Obviously won it, I think it was in 2012, um, when John McEntee was the manager and they went on to build the final. Kieran Hotzer was the man of the match that day against Portadown. I think he kicked maybe 10 or 11 points from memory. He's now the manager. So maybe maybe something brewing in Cullerville here that they can go on and, and take a good stab at this. Well, certainly, um, Sean, I think if you go back to maybe um, in around like 2006, 2007, 2008, right through to 2011, 2012, uh, when John McTee did come in, like, Cullerville had put a really strong uh, run together, maybe over three, four, five, six years, I think, in intermediate. And um, they were knocking on the door and getting the semi-finals and finals. I think they were beating a number, if remember, memory serves me right, I think they were beating a number of finals. Um, <clears throat> they finally won it. Um, so maybe history would suggest that uh, that they need a couple of years to sort of, you know, get, you know, sort of find their feet and come back and come back. But look, the way they have looking at it, there this evening is probably that they're they're three games away from winning the thing now, uh, and really you know your league forms your league form, but after a win like that yesterday, winning as an underdog uh, in a knockout game of football against a team that would have outsiders would have thought that Shannonies would have sort of like a, a you know, good, good good pedigree in this competition, um, so for them to turn them over and to be sitting in a quarter final now and with a week's recovery, like it's big incentive for them and um, yeah. Probably what what you're saying is right there, Sean. Look, they will be ended up. Um, it's only it's only natural confidence and momentum they're going to get from that win. Yeah, absolutely. And they meet St Pauls now in the quarterfinals, uh, who beat Middletown, and we'll touch on them later on. The second one I want to talk about, Peter, is probably an upset in my eyes about how easily Farkill beat Portmore. Um, I was eyeing this one up as a tight game. And we spoke last week that about Portmore going down and Farkill coming up. They were sort of missing each other. Um, as I was watching this game on Saturday evening, um, I thought about something you said last week, Peter, was it was a, a team that's winning games against a team that's losing games. And that that's, uh, came through. Farkill, um, anybody that didn't see the final score, won 222 to 13. It was 212 to no score at half time. Um, I think the county men. Like we always talk about the county men when we're talking about Fork Hill, but their impact was huge on Saturday evening. Um, Fork Hill scored two twenty two, and between Jamar Hall, Stephen Sheridan, and Paddy Burns, they put together two twelve of that. Um, and Barry Shannon, a former county man, got two points as well. So, like, like we always said that at junior level, that it was huge having three county men, but it intermediate as well. Peter, it's obviously um, going to be a massive help for Fork Hill. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that was definitely whilst I I thought that Fork Hill would would, would win that with a wee bit of spur. Um, it, certainly the nature of it was surprising. Um, to see to see the how things were panned out at half time. Like it took nearly a second look at it, you know, to to actually uh, compute that. But you know, that's a a lovely start for them. Um, that obviously knowing that the game was up at half time and they could probably sort of rotate a wee bit and rest a few players and, and make sure that everybody gets through sort of unscathed and ready and, and fit for the next round. Um, is it really, 
the challenge that they may have wanted going into a, a tough quarter final, probably not. They're still undercooked, really. I mean, if you're coming out of junior um, or the junior league and then you're playing uh, a team who who would be well off the pace at intermediate level, they're still a bit of an unknown quantity. You know, I wouldn't just be, you know, touting them as potential winners until you, I think it's fair to say, Sean, you need to see more evidence against um, you know, a better equipped um, opponent, but they'll be they'll be happy to be through. And I suppose it's it's probably got you know them out there and their forwards, you know, kicking scores. And I'm sure they've a lot to take away from the game. But you would just sort of think that did they learn a whole lot out of the exercise? Probably not. Yeah, we'll get judging them better now in the quarter final. They take on uh, Holy Sarn in two weeks' time. But something to touch on, Peter from Farkill. Uh, obviously such a big win gives you confidence but even from the very start they were playing with such confidence the other day that maybe they've got this junior championship out of the road got that monkey off their back um, and now they, they feel that they're at the level that they should be well that's it and you can get that bounce Sean you know and I suppose they did win the junior championship last year they never got a chance to really like um, I suppose express themselves at a higher level yet this year so this was probably a game that they were looking at from way out as a chance to say, okay, look, we're up now and, and we can mix it with anybody up here. So no doubt they've, they, they have sort of sent a bit of a mini statement out um, on Saturday saying, look, we're here and we're ready to be taken seriously. Um, and when you carry the, that bit of weaponry that they do in, in terms of their county personnel and some and there's some other good players there to back that up with as well. Um, it's again, it's a wee bit like we said about Call of Bill. It's, it's momentum based and, like they're another team now they're going to have that wee path in their step moving into the quarterfinals. And when they're, they've got players there that have experience, they've got players there that have, um, you know, been around setups at the highest level and, and you can't underplay that. That's vitally important to have. Yeah, that's a big quarterfinal that we're going to look forward to. And obviously we'll be previewing them um, in two weeks' time. The next one, Peter, uh, only our second prediction that we got wrong. We got six out of eight. Um, was White Cross and Ballyhagen. Um, White Cross won 112, 10 points. And I suppose the big thing from this game was um, early in the second half, Ballyhagen were ahead 8-4. They were reduced to 14 men. They got a man sent off. And um, suddenly White Cross outscored them then, won 8-2 points for the remainder of the game with Aidan Finnegan getting the goal and he top scored with 1-5. White Cross are a bit of an enigma. You're not really sure what to expect of them. I thought without Mark Shields, they were going to struggle in this in in the game against Ballyhagen and in the championship. Um, they'll get a tougher test now the next day against Sarsfields, but that's a good win for White Cross over Ballyhagen. That's a great win, Sean. That's a great win, and like, um, I think we we're look made made look a wee bit silly on the back of that one. Uh, we both tip White or Ballyhagen to come through that, and the form line was looking, it was pointing. Um, that way that Bolly Higgins seemed to have the momentum coming in but you can only give credit to White Cross the fact that they were down um, especially uh, first half and early part of the second half um, down and, and it looked like, they'd be, like, like it was going to go to script uh, and obviously then the, the goal in that has changed it and, and I noticed that uh, the contribution of, of Finnegan in midfield 1-5 is, 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 is a brilliant contribution um, at any level Sean um, and I noticed as well they're still backbone by a, by a strong McSherry contingent and like them boys have been have been good footballers for a lifetime there in White Cross so you know that's that's a, that's probably the, was the most um, surprising result of the weekend for me 
Um, you know, I didn't see where the form line was, not even this season, but over a number of seasons that the White Cross were were showing any intentions of, of sort of going deep into the championship. But that goes, just goes to show it's championship, it's on the day. And, you know, even the, the warmest of favourites can can be got at. Yeah, and that's White Cross through to the quarterfinals against Sarsfields um, the next day out. Kerr Krupp and Peter, they beat College Land by three points. And they beat College Land at the stage last year by nine. Um, College Land obviously closed that gap. Um, this season, 12-9 um, for Kerr Krupp. And I suppose that we, we predicted that Kerr Krupp were going to win, just maybe not sure how tight of a game or how close it was going to be. Um, you were at this one, Peter. Did College Land set up defensively in an attempt to keep the score down and Kerr Krupp still had the quality to come through? Or how did this game go? Yeah, College Land, I was impressed by College Land, Sean. Um, impressed by their organisation uh, and by their general um, levels of fitness. Um, the first thing that struck me about them was that you know, they look like a very sort of lean, organised side. Um, and up front in, in Jason Kelly, they had a, a very willing um, ball winner and he sort of played the game just a wee bit off the cuff. You know, he didn't really know what he was going to do next. And he got some, he got some great scores. And to be honest, I mean, Carrick Cruppen looked extremely ordinary for, for the vast majority of the game. And, you know, I think maybe the rain the Carrick Cruppen hype in a wee bit because yesterday there was definitely areas of their game that you would you would definitely have reservations about. I suppose that said, um, for me, the, the two players that really dug them out of the hole yesterday, College Lamb went 8 6 ahead at the beginning of the second half. And really, from that point on, uh, Blaine Hughes basically played as an outfielder. Um, he stepped up on the majority of, of their kickouts uh, and really created the plus one. They didn't like drop another player back to cover the space in front of the goal or anything. It was man on man stuff at the back, and he was playing high up the field. And that really helped them get uh, the foothold in the game that they needed. Now, they were quite wasteful. Um, and College Land had probably done a great job in terms of not a fan. They're inside threats. Um, Owen Woods was by his standards he was quiet and had a really good handle on him um, but apart from Blaine then you had Richard Keenan who who really stood up for them in the middle of the field and I think he ended up a game of five points but all of the scores Sean were, were taken from, from serious range and distance and it just goes to show like that that type of quality this level is is still is still key and, and really it was his kicking over distance that um, at the side of the game but an interesting take tactically from from Kruppen in terms of what their intentions are and, and how they're going to use Blaine Hughes going forward. Um, and yesterday it paid off for them. Um, the one thing I would say is College Land, probably naively, in the second half, they insisted on kicking a lot of ball um, from back to front. And with Hughes playing out basically as an extra player, they kicked a lot of ball straight nearly into his domain. I know they were trying to be direct and get the ball forward as quickly as possible, but... I sort of felt maybe if they'd have brought more of a running game to it um, in the second half, they may have caused Kruppen a few more problems. But um, as, it, as it unfolded, um, you know, it was probably probably Hughes and, and Keenan that, that got Kruppen over the line in the end. But playing him tactic, I'm excited to see it. They've obviously seen the likes of Anel Morgan and Roy Began in the Ulster final. It'll be interesting to see, does anybody challenge Blaine and maybe um, does the other keeper push up on his kickouts or what the story will be? Um, in the next few rounds 
Uh, Richard Keenan, obviously, we've spoken about him before, Peter, an unbelievable talent, great midfielder. And we've talked about the Kerr Krupp and youth coming through the likes of him, Kelly, Woods. He's really the leader in that team, isn't he? Like, he can field ball. He can. Uh, he's obviously a good point kicker as well. He's a good footballer. He, he's leading the charge into this uh, into the next round where they meet Wolf Tones. Yeah, he's still a he's still a young player. I think he's maybe only twenty two, maybe twenty three at, at, at the most. Sean, but he's been playing. Seems like he's already been playing there for a lifetime for Kiara Kruppen, and he was probably playing right from the start of their rebuild. Um, and so have a lot of their players to be fair. Um, and now they're 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 coming through. Look, I. I would say yesterday will have will have done them no harm in that it probably will bring the blanket down a wee bit on their expectations uh, and the hyper surrounding them, uh, and it might just be a blast in the skies for them if they maybe went out yesterday and won by ten points or so. It would have only probably served to have, to have, to have increased them, I suppose, the speculation about them, but that might dampen things and. Um, I think that's probably what they needed yesterday. Um, and you know, just just to finish up, I can't stress enough again how impressed I was by by College Land, who probably on, on league form, like we didn't really give them much of a shout, but there were this, yesterday they proved that. Um, the, the I suppose the the, the the sum was equal to much more in their parts, you know. Yeah, and I suppose they um, they're a good young team as well, and junior champions in twenty nineteen. Still, maybe finding their feet at this level, and um, they have plenty of good young players coming through as well. Um, next up, as we said, Kerr Kruppen meet Wolf Tones, who beat Katie on Friday night 110 to 18. This was the um, first game of the Intermediate Championship in 2021. Peter, I know you were at this game as well, um, probably not one for the purest. Um, Katie obviously were beat by, I think it was 10 points in the league, maybe six weeks ago. And uh, they weren't going to let that happen again, basically. Um, Tones played smart at times. Um, I'll give a shout out to your brother, Chris, who kicked probably the point of the game um, mm. out on the right-hand side. But it was the play before it, it, it really summed up how patient Wolf Tones were. They played on the periphery um, and waited for the gap until uh, Chris Nugent got the ball and he was able to kick the point then. Um, Katie... I'm not going to say unlucky. They they'll be disappointed that they didn't come through this one. A bit of class from Potty Judge with the goal, and it was a super goal and a super turn from Potty Judge, who's an incredible footballer. Uh, Katie were a point up at that stage, I think. The goal um, put Wolf Tones two up, and really it was the the end of the game once that goal went in. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a bit of a strange game, Sean, and that um, like. I think in the early stages, the Tones looked markedly the better team. Um, but I suppose the feeling you would come away with after the game was that the undoing for Katie was probably that it didn't maybe carry just enough punch up front. Um, certainly, the, the, the main axis of their team would be built around probably their half-back lane uh, and their midfield. And um, I think Connor Hughes would be, would be a pretty able free-taker. But I never really got the feeling through the game that they were going to be able to get enough scores from play to probably win the game. Whereas I felt that the Tones had a, probably a better spread of, of attackers that could hurt them. But the, I suppose if you were to level anything at, at Tones is probably the fact that their transition from back to front, for the most part, it's not quick enough. Uh, so the good forwards that they maybe do possess higher up the field, 
they don't get the ball often enough in advantageous positions. So you see the likes of Paulie there, a lot of the time he sort of has to drift out, maybe in round or outside his own 50. And he's, you know, he's essentially, he doesn't really want the ball there. He wants to be, you know, hanging off the back of a fullback somewhere between the, you know, the, maybe the middle of the day and the, and the 14, um, you know, looking for a good supply of ball. But the tones, they can hold on to the ball very well. And uh, there were stages there where you were thinking, you know, are Keely ever going to come out and press them here? There was a stage where, I think you were alluding to, Tones are seven, four up and they hold on to the ball for about three and a half minutes before the release um, for the score. But, you know, who is the fault there? Is that the Tones' the fault or is that Keely's fault for not coming out and press them? You know, Tones are seven, four up. They're into the second half. They probably don't have any obligation to go giving the ball back to Keely. If they're asking me, I'm thinking Keely should be coming out there and, and, and trying to press them and hurry them a wee bit more. And they end up conceding a score off the back of it anyway. So to me, it probably add into their own hands. But um, in typical Tones fashion, they made they made pretty hard work of it. And they end up, even though to me, they looked, you know, the better team by, by a bit of a distance. Um, probably Matthew Hagen, worth a, worth a shout out, Sean, for his performance. He he had them um Katie on, on toast um all evening, um willing to carry the ball at them at pace, scored a great point in uh, in the second half when the tones really needed, where he carried the ball down towards the byline and checked back out on his right foot and swung it over from a nearly impossible angle. And that was a big score at the time. And um he also intercepted the Katie kick out for Polly's goal as well. So big performance from him and they'll certainly need more of that uh, going forward against Crowley. Yeah, I think he was the one standout performer from the game. And if you were coming away from it, he was the one that caught the eye. I think he got three points in the end, but it was probably his um his work rate throughout the sixty minutes that really caught the eye. Um Katie did have a chance at the end, Peter. There was a bit of a scramble. Um I think it was Shawnee McCabe had the shot for Katie, and I think the keeper saved it. Um, although there was a lot of bodies back there. It was um heart and mouth moment for Wolf Tones. Uh, they've done so well to get the goal to um, put them ahead, but defended heroically then when they had till as well till till keep ahead at the final whistle. Yeah, Sean, we would we sort of picked out Callum Duffin um, last week that uh, he's he's a very very competent goalkeeper, um, and he's still only a young guy as well, and you know you can see his games improving, and he he stood up when the you know when the team needed him, he got out nice and early and, and smothered the angle. Uh, on McCabe and and then I suppose the boys were able to get enough bodies around the ball and I think it, that play ended up going out for a 50 but Katie subsequently squandered it anyway but um, yeah look talking there about I suppose Blaine as well look any any team trying to go deep into the competition the goalkeeper now is seen as such an integral player maybe the most important player um, so that'll do Callum's um, confidence you know the world of good um, his kickouts were generally pretty good and you know, that sort of ability to come out on the ball and open play as well. That's that's things that he can continue to work on. Um, and he's gonna be a big he's gonna be he's gonna have a big say <clears throat> the next day against Gary Crumpton. That's one we're looking forward to. I think um apart from the final day loss to the Flon Moore in the league when they uh, the title was already wrapped up. I think Wolf Tones was the only team that took points off Kerr yeah. Crumpton. So that's gonna be an even uh, an even matchup you would think and we'll preview that of course in two weeks' time. Sarsfields Peter come through against Claw Moore. Uh, we expected this 113 to 0-8. Sarsfields still the, the favourites you would feel to go on and win the championship. Uh, we knew Claw Moore would give them a bit of a fight, but in the end, Sarsfields' quality was going to get them through, and that's how it panned out. 
Yeah, no, no real surprise there, Sean. Um, look, it's just one of them ones that just want to, have, you know, got a good, I suppose, workmanlike performance and sort of kept Tom Moore relatively shut down to the other end of the field. Tom Moore only, only getting eight points, I think. Um, and that, that although I didn't see the game, that to me looks like um, a performance probably where Sarsfields will have got the job done, but. Obviously, they won't be getting carried away. I don't think with with that type of result, and they'll be they'll know that there's enough there to work on to to to, to give them that wee bit extra for the next round. So, uh, all in all, it's not an attention seeking result. It's just enough to get the job done. And look, I I still firmly believe that they're the strongest um, team in the competition, uh, especially their forward line. So uh, they'll be they'll, they'll be pleased and they'll be happy. Another two weeks there to sort of prepare and, and get ready for a quarter final. Does that help them, maybe, Peter, that, you know, the main results coming from the weekend was Colleville's um, Four Kills, big surprise, uh, big margin of win, White Cross's surprise, maybe. We still feel, obviously, that Sarsfields are the best team in the, in the championship, but maybe just not getting talked about as much. If they had it went out and won by 15 points, uh, it would have been the whole talk then. Yeah, absolutely, Sean. Um, it's one of the ones where they're just... They're just going to be pleased that they got through. Um, as I said, didn't really draw too much attention to themselves. It looks like it was pretty workmanlike and pretty clinical. Um, and as you say, the other teams are sort of hogging the, the sort of headlines um, for the next week or so, and that will absolutely suit them down to the ground. And then we're going to discuss Tully Sarn as well, um, one of the favourites, and as we said, um, put in such a massive performance last year against Sarsfields. In the championship quarter final, they beat Tiernan Oog, not 13 to not 10. Um, not overly impressively, I must admit. And they were the better team um, after half time. I think they, they went into a 5 1 lead at the start, and you thought they were going to blow Tiernan Oog away. But Tiernan Oog, their credit, fought back, and it was 5 4 at half time. Um, Tierno, or, sorry, Tully Sarn did take over then. And, I suppose the quality in the forward line really came through. You had um, Gavin Connell, I think he finished with five points. Eddie Mullen as well um, played very well. Mark McKeever scored a, a huge point in the second half, a really inspirational one. And it was interesting, Mark McKeever was actually playing in midfield for Tully Sarn and would be a renowned full forward and a, a real goal getter inside. But he was playing midfield. Um, but they were missing a few men, Peter. Um, Turlock Lardner wasn't playing, Matthew Mullen, Owen Daly. That's probably why um, we've seen McKeever moving out. But I suppose that Tully Sarn, it was just the most important thing was getting through that. They were missing a few men. Um, they didn't want to get uh, Tierno wanted to cause an upset, obviously. For Tully Sarn, it was just about getting through to the next round and setting up a quarterfinal flash now with Fork Hill. Yeah, absolutely. The players you mentioned there, Sean, that we're missing, um, that would probably tell for any team at this level. So, like, that's a that's a you know that's a good result for them in 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 the circumstances. Um, I think we knew it was going to be difficult for Portadown, um, given where they are sort of coming from over the last couple of years, and and we knew that it probably would be a bridge too far for them. Um, that said, they're stuck in the game for a long time, and they certainly didn't come and and, and just accept their beating. Um, so that's that's another game. Look, we expected the Tully Sarm would come through it and have done, and I suppose it was the usual candidates for them that stood up and uh, and got the majority of the scores. Um, it's going to be interesting to see 
how they sort of you know move forward now. Um, they're obviously a team that has you know on a talent level that they've, they've, they've a lot going for them. Um, maybe a wee bit like Car Cropping, but you know I suppose you still have uh, a few question marks um, over them when it's when it's really put to them in the in the in the heat of the battle in a in a, in a knockout game. So interesting couple of weeks ahead for them, Sean. Yeah, and I suppose it um, worth mentioning for Karen Nob, Tom Weir was excellent for them. He got three points, probably should have got a few more points. Um, he played midfield and then was a real danger when we moved into the forward line. Final game we're going to touch on, Peter, then is St Paul's beating Middletown with um it was two thirteen to not seven again. This game went to form, no big um surprise in that scoreline. Um, credit Middletown they kept the game tight in the first half it was 4-4 at a stage and Sapolds went out half time 6-4 ahead but obviously they got the two goals in the second half and pushed on on, on had a huge margin to spur then at the end Yes um, that, this is one that we, we sort of call as well Sean we couldn't really see it going any other way and um, margin of victory would, would probably be somewhere there or thereabouts of what most people would have expected um, and look, that's you know that comes down purely to I suppose Middletown sort of you know cut their cloth to suit and they they have you know their allegiances probably lay with the hurling championship. So like we sort of thought from the outset this might be a comfortable enough one for some pause and the scene to pull away right in the second half is probably notable that they were able to do it without um, Pat Nash and, and Al McCarry who would be two absolute mainstays for them. So. They have a bit of quality to to come back um, into the team, and again they'll be, they'll be happy to be through. And as I said before, like they're a team that has uh, sort of been around the block before, and they know the they know the terrain really well in this championship. So um, they'll be they'll, they'll be happy. So coming up in the quarterfinals, then that's going to take place in two weeks' time. Um, we have Kerr Cruppen taking on Wolf Tones, Cullaville and St Paul's, Sarsfields and White Cross, and Farkill versus Tully Sarn. We'll be covering them games with reports, previews, podcasts, um, and that that all takes place in two weeks' time. Coming up this week on Thursday's show, we're going to preview the Senior Championship that kicks off at the weekend with eight games across Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, next up, we're going to hear from Park McNaughton, who was part of the Dairy News side that beat Newtown on Friday evening. And we'll discuss his comeback from turning his cruciate ligament last year against Fork Hill in the championship semi-final. So, Peter, thanks very much for coming on. Look forward to seeing you again. Thanks, Sean. Park, you've just come through a tight tussle there with Newtown. Getting through with two points to spur. Um, Oshin McNally's goal was the crucial score at the start of that third quarter. Maybe tighter than you expected? Probably tighter, yeah. Then, I suppose tighter than it was built to be, maybe, to an extent, but... From our perspective now, there was never going to be nothing softer than hit we knew. We know Newtown's last couple of years not never anything soft with them. And they're coming in on a high there. You know, they've won just after winning Junior B, they were flying after from, from the start this year. So we haven't really been going that, that tall away so far, Alex. So we knew going into that, that was going to be a good fight. Championship football always is. So it's one of them, you know, to get over the line and on the next round, it's really... That's what it's all about, isn't it, at this stage of the game? And Park, you're coming into this game. This was the your first game back, uh, your first championship game back, sorry, from your Toyo Cruciate here last year against Fork Hill. Um, good to be back, obviously, playing championship football. Yeah, great to be back. Great to be back on the pitch full stop. Uh, probably played about 
probably only played about an hour's football now so far all together and then dropped out there obviously on top of it so nice to be back. Championship championship football, different different ball game altogether, a few league matches there. And it's all well and good now, but that's a step off today like and you've already you've already been found out so but good, good to get it good to get it back in the tank, you know. And just as you say, nice to be back in the athletic grounds, back back in the big days, was what's was all about. I suppose how was the recovery out for I'm sure it was a long nine or nine to twelve months out? Yeah I suppose initially it wasn't like done it last September. And then it was December with COVID and all by the time you could get into the operation. So that first three months wasn't too bad because still, you know, you're up and you're about and it's not really a bother. And then, yeah, around Christmas was tough after the operation. It's a tough, tough two to three months, really, really, really tough. Like, once you get over that, get over there in a few months, it was more or less back on the pitch then when the boys were back on the pitch. So that was ideal, you're back on the pitch. Me and for 30, 40 men and makes a world of difference then. You're training with everybody back in that group rather than get away in the gym by yourself so, yeah good to be back and next up now it's Calivi in the uh, championship quarter final probably a team you wouldn't know much about you being a, a junior A and them junior B um, but a, a challenge nonetheless in the quarter final yeah but that's it look at I haven't seen Calivi yet since probably early last year where you know pre-Covid nearly last time we would have played them so hard to know what they've got haven't really seen much of them but same as tonight it's Championship football, so it's going to be nothing soft the next day. Whenever, whenever it is, it's it's not going to be soft. Calabi's never going to be soft, and we're just going to have to get ourselves wrapped up again and go again. Point number 10, Outstanding. 